Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. It's our early week podcast, talk about North Carolina Notre Dame and sort of what's going going on around the North Carolina program. And Greg, I'll start there. Carolina's offense... We talked for years that the one thing we'd never worry about is Larry Fedora's offense, and that's another thing we were wrong about, it looks like, at least thus far this season. Your take on that, what are the Tar Heels trying to do about it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Tom. I mean, if you look at kind of how things have played out, North Carolina, they live on this idea of short passes, long gains. That's how they get all these explosive plays. Larry Fedora aims to have at least 10 per game. Of course, in 2015 and even last year, they were hitting above that. But last two weeks against Duke and Georgia Tech, two teams that have decent defenses, uh, you know, probably good defenses, but not elite, not Clemson, Virginia Tech, Miami caliber defenses. North Carolina has only had 14 total, and only a handful of those have gone for more than 20 yards. And then... To compound that issue, you look at what they've done on third down, one of the worst one one of the worst teams in the country in third down conversion rate. And Larry Fedora aims for about forty eight percent there in all of his teams that he's coached since that oh eight Southern Miss team have hit on above forty one percent. And this team is down closer to thirty percent, which which is not getting it done. The last two weeks they've had eleven three and outs in 23 offensive possessions. So all those things wrapped together, can I tell you, hey, this offense is not operating like a standard Larry Fedora offense. And we can kind of get into the, the reasons why. We know injuries play a role, but if you look at the offensive line, I mean, they've got four seniors with significant starting experience playing. Then you got Charlie Heck, who actually graded out better than anybody against Duke. So, you know, while you don't have the depth up front, you've got the bodies. And so I think there's a lot of legitimate question marks to be asked. But, you know, in talking with Fedora, it's not just one guy. And if it was just one guy, you could sub him out, put somebody else in, and your problems would be fixed. The issue is, is that some of these miscues, some of this lack of execution is, this guy at, you know, say, one tackle spot makes a mistake here. The next play is the guy playing left guard. And then the next play is the tight end. Uh, and so you've got problems coming from all different directions. And so the coaching staff is kind of like, what do we do? And Fedora has, has been adamant uh, really the last week, but especially the last couple of days saying, look, when you get to this situation where all these different guys are the ones that are making the mistakes, it comes back on the coaches, and the coaches have to take that responsibility, and they have to fix that issue. 
How do you fix it? Well, you pare down the offense to some extent. Chris Kapilovic told us on Tuesday night the offense is pared down maybe 60%, which is significant. But at the same time, you know, the lowest common denominator still has to be effective enough against ACC teams to score points. And so you can't cut that much out. And so it's really a juggling act right now in trying to coach these up as best they can in the short amount of time that they have. Ross, Greg hit on pretty much everything I was thinking about. I mean, the injuries, yes, they're a big factor. Um, but that's a great point about the offensive line, even with those injuries. To have that kind of experience play in that position, you would think they'd be much more successful. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, um, a compound of a lot of things. You've got, you know, these young wide receivers and, and young running backs. You know, one, you know, a timing thing could be off or a, a route could be run wrong, and that affects your ability to convert on, on certain downs and, and move the ball and, and hit on big plays. You've got a young quarterback as well. You, you saw in that George Tech game just a miscommunication in the backfield that led to a, a gain of zero when, when Chaz Surratt went the wrong way or, or one of the running backs went the wrong way. And so it's just it's not just one thing, and you can blame injuries all you want. I mean, that's a, that's a valid excuse at this point. I know Fedora and the staff don't want to use that as an excuse, but it's a clearly valid one. And so when you add those, which which forces these inexperienced players. You already knew you're going to have a, a young running backs and a, a young quarterback. It just a, exacerbates everything, and um, that's where we are right now. And the offense against Georgia Tech was not good. And just building on certain positives is what this team has to do. And yeah, I mean, sixty percent of the offense on, that we heard from Coach Cap on Tuesday night sounds so small, but it's just a matter of um, executing the simple things because they can move the ball, and they've shown they had. Uh, it's just going out and doing it, and they're going to have a tough test against Notre Dame, which obviously has a talent. They've been recruiting well for you know for multiple multiple years now, and they're going to have better athletes and and some of the teams that UNC has already seen, and it, it, it's it's going to be a tough sledding for for UNC on Saturday. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting because if you go back to 2012 when Larry Fedora and this staff first came in, I remember sitting down with Walt Bell and Walt saying, "Look." We really have about six to nine concepts, passing concepts, that we're using this year. Just because we haven't had enough time to get all these different plays in. And so they were running very basic stuff. I mean, you go out and you practice six to nine concepts. You can do that an awful lot and get pretty good at it quickly. So the difference, of course, being that back then you've got you had eight NFL players on that offense and so when you've got elite guys like that like an Ebron and a Gio Bernard and a Bren Renner and all those guys up front you can be very simple and so it's it's now a matter of okay we don't have near that talent available so we want to pair things back but you also have to get creative enough to give these guys that maybe aren't as talented as that 2012 crew or the group that you had last year even, for them to be successful. And that's, that's one thing that I asked, asked Cap this week was, how do you kind of balance that out? How do you, when you know you need explosive plays to make things easier, but you also may be limited in your ability to have explosive plays, which therefore puts a lot of pressure on your guys to execute uh, for numerous plays in a row, which we know that's not been happening. What's kind of the balance there? 
Well, yeah, and, and to, to add to that, I mean, I think you're right. The talent is not there. I mean, you said eight players that had NFL talent on that 2014 team or whatever. Um, I mean, this team on the offense, I don't think there's any NFL talent right now. Maybe Charlie Heck in three years could be a, a draft pick. Maybe Cam Dillard after this year. But other than that, uh, none of these skill players have NFL written on them. I mean, maybe Michael Carter in, in, in two, three years. But other than that, I mean, it, it's just not it's not elite or even close to elite talent right now on the offensive uh, side of the ball. And that certainly affects things. Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate jam they're in. And Greg, you hit on it. So did Cap offer any suggestion as how do you pare it down, but still, you know, I'll say this about the Georgia Tech game, and it's probably going to be this way here on out. I didn't think they were very creative against Georgia Tech. They just couldn't do it or they weren't. Um, so, Greg, how do, how do you get creative given everything we've already talked about? Well, what they were hoping to do against Georgia Tech is because we know of the, the passing issues. You know, we saw why Brandon Harris is not playing. He's had three picks this year, and each, each of those interceptions has been because he did not see the underneath linebacker. That's not going to get it done over the middle. And then Chas Ratt uh, has a little bit of issue Going over the middle, we know he makes some good throws, but there are times when there's just so much congestion in the middle that you have to you have to have a really big arm, and you have to be pinpointing your accuracy, and that's a little much for a redshirt freshman of his caliber to handle right now. That doesn't mean he can't get better at it, but that's just a lot to ask of a kid. So what they did against Georgia Tech is they relied on attacking the perimeter, and so what you saw is a lot of outside zone reads. Uh, you saw a lot of passes to the to the boundary, and Georgia Tech was able to snuff it out. And I think that's kind of the the tough thing for this team because one of the things that we have not seen a whole lot of this year, screen passes. And the reason why is because teams are willing to challenge Chas Surratt to throw the ball down the field, and so we're seeing a ton of press coverage. And when you're press coverage, you have press coverage on the boundaries, that really eliminates that. Uh, screen passes and options. We've seen a little bit of it, but I think what you're going to have to be able to see is the offensive line has to do a better job protecting. They have to do a better job in, in running the ball. And I think everything kind of starts there. And talking with R.J. Prince, I asked him, I said, look, you got all these seniors up front. Why is this not working better? Why is UNC not able to run the ball? And he said it's not really a chemistry thing because these guys have played a lot together, uh, but it's more communication. And so on one side, they may have one call, but the guys on the other side aren't getting it. That seems very rudimentary, especially for a bunch of experienced linemen, but that's kind of what's taking place. So they got to clean that up. And then if they can run the ball more effectively, then you can start incorporating some jet sweeps. You can start moving the ball both in the perimeter and with some inside zone reads. I do think Chas Rat's going to have to be a critical part of the run game. Uh, he pretty much carried the load for him against Duke. So that's going to have to be increased. And then all of a sudden, if you can open up the run game a little bit, then all of a sudden teams have to start you know, defending the run more, which gives you more one-on-one options down the field. We know that Anthony Ratliff-Williams can thrive in those types of situations. Some of these other guys have to prove they can do it as well. And then you start to see things start to move. But if you can't run the ball and you have a quarterback uh, that teams are daring to throw down the field, you're not going to have a lot of success. 
I think uh, Jordan Brown did some nice things against Georgia Tech. And obviously, Fedora said he's kind of the main back now. We saw that on Saturday. He's done some good things on getting to the edge. Obviously, the running game is not where it needs to be. But I, mean, I guess that's kind of encouraging for, for UNC to kind of have that main guy they can count on because he does – he does become a multiple-dimensional option when he can catch the ball in the backfield and kind of get the get the ball out quick to him on, on different types of essentially running plays that get to the edge. But um, that's important to note that we're seeing more Brown now over Carter, and that's by design because he is healthy. I talked to um, Coach DeAndre Smith on Tuesday night, and he was struggling with injuries all through preseason camp and into the season, and now he's been healthy for four or five weeks, so he's been able to get the majority of the reps and, and really benefit from those. So that's just another note about the offense and, and where it was, maybe where it can go. Ross, why do you think Brandon Fritz hadn't been a huge part of the offense for Chaz Surratt? I mean, he's a guy that had some success getting open for Trubisky, now, very different quarterbacks, but Fritz just really hadn't been a big part of anything this year. I believe he's got, what, 12 catches in four games. Not much going on there. Why do you think that is? That's a great question and probably better suited for the offensive coordinator. But um, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, you, would th- you would think that you know, a big option like him, usually when you have a young quarterback or a quarterback who's, who's not as familiar with a system that, you know, checking it down to a, a tight end across the middle or one of those options would be good. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's had two touchdowns. Those came in one game, 12 catches, 85 yards. Um, and with Carl Tucker out, you would think he'd be the number one guy. But we didn't, see, I mean, we didn't see any type of really passing game against Georgia Tech. So nothing was working. And credit to Georgia Tech for, for locking him down. But, you know, with his size, his speed, and what he can do with the ball, you would think they'd reach to him more. And, I don't, I don't have the football acumen to, to kind of break that down as to why they aren't getting the ball. <laughs> I, I think he's right, though. I think it's the question of, of the, the offensive coordinator and Larry Fedora just because I would assume that using a redshirt freshman, you're not giving him a full field progression. And what I mean by that is what Larry Fedora has always done is we talk about RPOs, right? When you pair RPOs with passing concepts. And typically what will happen is in a pre-snap read, the quarterback is looking to his right side where there's two passing routes run together, and he looks to his left side, and there's two passing routes run together. He looks for certain keys. You know, He makes reads off the defense, and he says, okay, I'm going here to the right, or I'm going here to the left. And it seems very basic, but that's how he's always done things. Now, when you have a guy like Mitch Trubisky, who is an NFL-level quarterback, you open up the whole field and you say, have at it, work through your progressions, one, two, three, four, five, and it's not a big deal. But for most of these quarterbacks, it's like, all right, you're picking the right side, that's your pre-snap read, outside in, one, two, if those guys aren't there, you drop down to your third option, which is typically your running back. And in some of those situations, the tight end's not in play. And so I think some of that's it. I highly doubt that they've got him working through four progression rates. I could be wrong, but it doesn't appear that way. And so when we talk about safety valves, I think that's one of the reasons you see a guy like Jordan Brown leading the team in receptions is because he is kind of the, the kick out. You work through maybe two progressions and then you just dump it off to the running back. And I think that's maybe why you know, Fritz has not been the guy at times because he may not be on the side of the field that, that Chaz is reading for whatever reason. 
another issue, I mean, the talent wide receiver is is so low that, you know, they can't get off, can't get separation. That's a huge part, something that Switzer was really good at and Pro was really good at is running these crisp routes and, and getting giving you your quarterback a window to throw to. And you're just not seeing that production because maybe Chaz doesn't feel, feel comfortable throwing to, to a receiver down the field and has to check down or, or ends up tucking it and running it. So you're just not seeing guys like, you know, Cunningham and, and uh, John, Roscoe Johnson and, and Perry and Cabrera and Mollett. They're just not getting open. And that's one of the reasons they're probably not getting the ball and why, why receivers are not catching the amount of balls they should in this offense. It's just not working for a variety of reasons, separation being one of them. Greg, that's the, the reason I mentioned Fritz is, I mean, I remember TJ Yates, you know, he was an upperclassman, but he would look for Zach Pianalto when nothing else was there. And Pianalto was always in a spot that Yates could get in the ball. Fritz just doesn't seem to, it's not all on Surratt. You know, Fritz just doesn't seem to find the open spot, whether it's in a zone or, or beat a, a linebacker in, in man coverage or you know, I would expect Fritz for a guy like Surratt at this stage to be that check down maybe more so than Jordan Brown. And that's that's just what's confusing to me, Greg. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, Tom. And even before the game, I always listen to Larry Fedora's pregame interviews with Littorial Sports Network. So sometimes he'll sneak up and say, well, you know, the game's almost here, so I can go ahead and say things that maybe I wouldn't have said the rest of the week. And he made the point to say, you know, I expect Brandon Fritz to be a you have a big role in the game plan today. And I mean, Brandon Fritz did have four catches, but they went for 18 yards total. Um, and so I would assume Fedora probably expected a little bit more production in that front. So yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the issue is there. I will say this: we talk a lot about and Ross made a really good point about the guys you know, maybe not running as crisp routes as your know, Pro or Switzer did. The other part of this offense is that whenever you run a spread offense, it's a little different, and we've talked about this a lot over the years, but you have to be able to read the defense as a wide receiver. And so if you're running you know, against the – if you're running, you know, I mean, we'll say running just the inside slant or inside out, when you run against man, you got to keep running. If you're running against the zone and you know you're against the zone and you hit a weak spot, you got to sit down and wait for the quarterback to find you. And so it's not as easy as saying, okay, I'm running point A to point B, and that's my job. You have to kind of feel exactly what the defense is doing, whether you're running a curl or a slant or whatever it may be. You have to kind of understand where you need to be. And that's more than just you drawing a play on the, on the whiteboard and going from there. And so there's a lot of different things like that. You would assume, to your point, that they would have some of these plays where, look, we've got to have – two safety valves, right? We've got to have the running back out here in the flat, which is what Jordan Brown's doing. And then you got to have the tight end in a spot where he can be effective. But when you start doing that, then you get into the matter of, okay, well, if we're, we're moving the tight end into this role, are we completely eliminating his side of the field because he's just filling this basic job? And does that fit within what Larry Fedora wants to do? And so that kind of gets into how do they change scheme? How do they decide what kind of plays to run within that scheme? Uh, those are questions that you, we obviously don't have the answer to, but that's, that's things undoubtedly that Larry Fedora, Chris Kapilovic, and the rest of those guys are trying to figure out. We might need to bring uh, Jason Staples in for six minutes on how to run routes in the UNC's offense. 
Uh, six minutes. That'll be quite not enough. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, I want to ask you guys sort of what you mentioned, Greg. But let's go to break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And Ross, a lot of discussion about paring down the offense. But in your opinion, expert opinion, do you think the <laughs> offense for Larry Fedora and Coach Kapilovic will slow down any uh, to maybe make it a little bit easier on the offense to maybe execute? A less amount of plays than you know the fast and the furious that they've liked to do it sometimes in the past. Yeah, and I think Larry Fedora will tell you that it's not you know a, a fast-paced offense. It's a varied speed offense, so they don't always go fast. And really, honestly, they haven't gotten to that rhythm where they're moving the ball with the no huddle and, and the quarterback is acting as that field general, moving everybody into position. And they're getting those snaps off quick. We haven't seen that kind of rhythm they get into when they start moving the ball down the field because they haven't been able to, you know, get those first downs as 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 much and, and complete third downs, things like that. So I just don't think we've even seen that speed. It's harder with a freshman quarterback. And so, you know, I think it'd be smart to to make sure everybody's set and maybe huddle up a little bit more or, or do whatever they do to to have a little more still a little more confidence to to get people in the right spots. But I don't think, you know, Fedor stresses the fact that he doesn't like to get away from his basics with his offense because it has been so successful. And that's kind of what you teach. And, and a great question. Um, someone asked him, I've been Greg on Monday at Monday's press conference, you know, like, do you look towards the future in developing Chasterat or do you try to win now? And obviously they want to win now. So they're going to do whatever is going to be most successful to get that win, whether that is is keeping the, the speed consistent or, you know, spending a little more time on each play and, and going a little bit slower. So I don't think we'll see much difference from what we've seen already this season, just given kind of Fedora's offensive stubbornness. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, he doesn't like to break away from what he's done as a head coach and offensive coordinator for, you know, a couple of decades now or a decade plus. Greg, one thing I've noticed, and I want to see what you see when this occurs. You know, they they've done this since Fedora got there. They come to the line, and then they, you know, get in set, and then they check with the coaches, and they get the adjustments or the or whatever they get from the sidelines. But one thing I don't really notice is the offensive line really looking over there. Maybe they do, and I just miss it. But that's where your miscommunication seems to be coming in once that play is either changed or adjusted, then nobody's back on the same page or a fair amount they're not. Do you see anything differently going on there or if they approached it differently or it's just an issue that's continued to boil and fester throughout the season? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I don't think anything's changing because what's, what you're talking about is the, the skill position players, so the wide receivers, running backs, and the quarterback are primarily the ones looking over to the sideline. And then it is the quarterback's job to relay that to the center, and then that information filters out to the to the tackles. And so there is a breakdown coming in there. Um, I don't know exactly how that's occurring. I don't know if that's starting with the quarterback or if it's starting with the center or if there's some confusion as it gets filtered down. It's like the, the old you know, game you play sitting in a circle as a kid, and you, you tell uh, somebody beside you one sentence, and then by the time it gets around 20 people, it's something completely different. That's what you try to avoid at the college level and beyond, but maybe we're seeing a little bit of a situation like that's occurring. But you know, in terms of the, the pace, Ross, you know, his, his intellect and his uh, intuition 
I don't have that. And I've actually got to go and look at the stats and, and the stats sure, sure. back up what he said. So it's... if you look at if you look at what North Carolina has done this year, I mean they ran eighty nine plays against Cal, sixty one against Louisville, seventy six against ODU, sixty five and fifty eight against Duke and Georgia Tech. And if you look at the first downs, there is a significant difference. They they ran eighty nine plays against Cal, they had twenty eight first downs. They ran 58 plays against Georgia Tech. They had 11 first downs. And so there is a rhythm aspect of it. And while Fedora has harped on you know, tempo, and that's kind of his thing, I don't know that tempo has been available really this year, especially since all these injuries have occurred in recent weeks. And so instead of worrying so much about tempo, they're just trying to get these guys to execute plays. I mean, make this pass. Pick up this first down on third and two. Right, and then once you start getting these first downs, then you can start playing with tempo. But as I mentioned earlier, I mean, when half of your possessions the last two weeks have been three and outs, that really limits what you can do. And I, I, I'm sure it's a situation where you know the last two weeks, early in games, they've really struggled to move the ball. And so if you have two three and outs, and then you go out there for the third series, and you're able to move the ball. The thought is not, hey, okay, now we can bring tempo into play. It's more like, okay, we have to keep this going. So we have to caress it and all these kind of things just to get the ball down the field. So as much as he likes tempo, I don't think that's something that he can utilize right now, which only makes the situation worse. Ross, you got 10 seconds. Tell me the childhood game that Greg referenced. When he started <laughs> it's a uh, telephone, right? Oh, yep. Okay. You, okay. That's right. We'll just make sure they still play those type games with the youth of today. So. That's right. Ross, a lot of offensive talk. Let's talk about the defense. Played well against Georgia Tech. Do you see uh, that continuing and your thoughts on that as they prepare for Notre Dame offense that is going to be solid? I think Wimbush may be a little dinged up, but but heading into Notre Dame, North Carolina's defensive approach. Yeah, I mean, I think when you say they played well against Georgia Tech, I think they played well in the first half. And obviously that game is kind of an outlier because it's just this weird offense, obviously. And you can't use some of the, the same strategies that you used against Tech, against Notre Dame. But obviously it's good momentum to to have the confidence to make some plays and get stops. And and I think they did play well in the in the first half, but UNC was not able to take advantage of that. They get Jaylen, We're thinking they get Jalen Dalton back. Is that kind of what you saw, Greg, at practice on Tuesday? Yeah, I think he'll play. Yeah, so that's huge. And honestly, this defensive line has, has been pretty healthy and has been pretty solid in terms of pressuring the quarterback. Uh, Malik Carney's played pretty well. Jason Strobich has some good games. You add in Jalen Dalton, that's definitely not going to hurt. Um, obviously, Todd Powell's not in there. So I think it's kind of an inverse relationship. I think the defense has, has slowly gotten better. Um, you know, it played pretty well at times against Duke, showed some flashes against Tech. You're going against a very, very good running game at Notre Dame. And, and traditionally, Stopping the run and kind of a power run offense like Notre Dame has been tough for UNC. So that will be interesting to watch. Um, obviously, the defensive line linebackers will have to have big games. But I think there is some more confidence despite the losses in this defense. We get to talk to the players and coaches on Wednesday. So we'll know a little bit more about their status. But kind of as the, the offense has maybe trended down in the last couple of games, the defense has improved from obviously some, some poor efforts against Cal and Louisville. So that that is good for Coach Rapuches, who I think had a pretty good game plan 
against Georgia Tech. And, and like Fedor said, they executed it well. They just missed some tackles, but they were in the right position. And obviously there were some plays being made from some new names, Tyron Hopper and, and others. So this, you know, it's hard to take pauses from, from what's going on with UNC football now, but that is kind of a, a small one that we can walk away with. Greg, to be honest, when I talk about they played well, I sort of graded on a curve. <laughs> you know, given the way the offense is and the defense being out there for 30, 35, 40 minutes against Georgia Tech, it's tough really to fault them for falling apart in the second half. I guess you can, but it's kind of weird. We're at a position where we thought the defense was going to lead the team early. They didn't. We thought the offense would come along and get better as the season progressed. And it's just been the exact opposite, Greg, as has this entire season, it seems like, this far. Yeah, but I will say this, Tommy. I think before the season started, even before training camp started, when you took a realistic look at this, and we talked about this in the offseason, for this team really to be successful early, you had to have a good defense, and you had to be able to run the ball. And we were really thinking that's why you know, maybe Nathan Elliott didn't get into the mix is because he's not the kind of guy that can provide a running threat as well as Surratt or even Brandon Harris. And we're kind of getting back to that point where the defense is playing better. And for North Carolina's offense to have any kind of success, it's not going to come through the air. So you have to generate a rush somehow. And I think this team, if they can, if they can continue to play solid defense, and they can find some way to establish a running game, they can be effective. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to go on some big run and win a bunch of games, but I think they can win the games that they're supposed to win, and they can be competitive in some of these other games. And, yeah, I mean, the Georgia Tech game on Saturday, I thought the defense played very well. And listen to Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora said that they they gave up the, the fewest explosive plays against Georgia Tech they ever have since he's been here. Now. Georgia Tech has run up a ton of points. They went 68 one year, 43 another year. But that says something, that they were disciplined enough not to give up the explosive plays. You're going to give up chunk yards in terms of four, five, six yards to these guys. But if you can avoid the big runs, and, of course, that kind of broke the back, that 61-yarder they had there in the third quarter. But I think I agree that that was a fatigue thing sitting in. So, you know, when you look at what Notre Dame does, they, they are a very good rushing team. I mean, they, you know, they're averaging over seven yards per carry. Uh, that's problematic, although you know, they, they've accumulated a lot of those yards against some of the weaker teams on their schedule. They haven't had near as much success against Georgia, Michigan State. Georgia, of course, is you know, possibly one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, in North Carolina, other than that Louisville game, really, I mean, they've been effective against the run. They gave up three yards per carry to Cal, 3.1 to ODU, 4.1 to Duke, and then Georgia Tech kind of got out of hand late at 6.1, but for the most part, it was less than that. So uh, I think they have a fighting chance. As Ross said, getting Dalton back really helps because he's really your most productive defensive lineman. Uh, and I think that's the key. If you can make, If you can make Notre Dame have to throw the ball, I mean, Brandon Wimbush, uh, he, he's a, more of a runner than anything. I mean, he completed 7 of 18 passes against Miami of Ohio last weekend. Uh, he's not the guy that's going to scare you throwing the ball down the field. So if you can limit them in the run game, then you can make them maybe get a little bit uncomfortable with what they want to do. 
Good stuff, Greg. Carolina and Notre Dame, 3.30 on Saturday in Keenan Stadium. We'll be back. The three of us will be back at WCHL Inside Carolina Tailgate Show two hours before kick from the Carolina Club live on CHL. So stream it or join us at 97.9. But that'll do it for this edition. Boys, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.